So have you ever messaged someone online, just casually chatting, shooting the breeze? Well, and this goes without saying, just be careful of what you say, or more importantly, what emojis you send. In a latest trial case up in the province of Saskatchewan, Canada, a grain buyer by the name of Kent Mickleborough was messaging a farmer, Chris Atcher, offering to buy some flax for a specific price and also sent a picture of the contract and requesting a follow-up confirmation from the farmer. Atcher responded with a simple thumbs-up emoji, thinking no wiser of what he was doing. The case emerged when Mickleborough perceived the thumbs-up as a means of agreement. Meanwhile, Atcher pleaded that the emoji was simply sent as a confirmation that the message was received, and in no way yet agreeing to the terms of the contract. The judge presiding over the case recognized the controversial nature of the altercation and did concur that even though emojis are somewhat of an unconventional form of official agreements, he deemed that it met the criteria for the two aspects of a signature, acceptance and confirmation, thereby judging in favor of the buyer over the farmer, charging Atcher to be responsible for providing the flax for the price that Mickleborough proposed. So this is probably one of the most interesting, although certainly not the first, I'm sure, scenarios surrounding modern communication, and uh, could very well pave the way for future potential cases concerning emoji responses. I mean, it seems that whole anything you can say will be used against you in a court of law is no longer just words in messaging service, but also emojis as well. So that said, I did want to move on to a follow-up item from last week. Uh, we brought up information about how Ford had drastically increased the prices for the Ford Lightning and every trim that entailed the model. We are now seeing that they are dropping the price, albeit not to its original MSRP, but by a range of six dollars to $10,000. Uh, the base Pro trim is the one that receives the largest price drop of $9,979 down to nearly fifty grand. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that this will re-engage some hesitant customers to give uh, Ford a second chance at their fully EV pickup truck, as uh, this now allows for more trims to once again be eligible for the $7,500 tax credit. So if you are curious about any additional information on that, you can head directly over to Ford's website and see exactly if any of your prospective trims are back within an affordable price range, which uh, I'll have that link in the description below uh, just for your guys' convenience, of course. So uh, now before I get into the mainstream items for this week, as you can obviously tell, Riley hasn't said anything because Riley was not able to make it to this show. So uh, a lot of this has to do with just summertime and we have, you know, adjusting schedules and, you know, family vacations and such. So uh, we are trying to stick to our weekly updates as much as possible in the summertime. Uh, with that said, I do want to apologize that we didn't have a debatable episode this past Saturday. Uh, my wife and I celebrated our seventh anniversary over the weekend, and there also wasn't a whole lot going on that was worth debating. So, this weekend, I will be on a four-day vacation, and Riley will also be out of town uh, earlier next week, so we will not be publishing a debatable episode this Saturday or our usual Wednesday episode next week. However, next Saturday, we will definitely be back to recap the Samsung Galaxy Unpacked event that takes place on Wednesday the 26th, and uh, we'll hash out some of our opinions on, uh, you, know, what the, on uh, you know what the Korean giant released in the Volvo market, among other announcements. So uh, be sure to stay tuned on the 29th for that upload. But uh, moving back to some quick items here, 
we had mentioned a rumor before about OnePlus and their foldable model being released sometime in August. Well, now we have additional rumors on the date specifically set. Uh, it seems that August 29th is when they plan on launching that foldable. And according to previous rumors, we had stated that the model would be dubbed the V-Fold, a model name that I personally was actually in a huge favor of. However, it seems upon further leaks and recent rumors, the model will instead be called the OnePlus Open. What a visionary that company is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it is about these, you know, really lame names, but, and I know we tend to kind of get sidetracked by that, but still, I feel like model names are part of what entices consumers to uh, to buy them, but that's that's more of a, just a personal perception on my end, so... Real quick, though, in line with OnePlus, they are releasing 1000 Genshin Impact-themed OnePlus 11s. And uh, for those who don't know, Genshin is basically an MMORPG anime-style game. Uh, it takes a lot of similarities with Zelda Breath of the Wild or even Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Riley and his wife play that game and actually enjoy it very much. So uh, for others who do play it or have been wanting to get a OnePlus, uh, the 11 5G will hit the shelves on July 21st and will be selling for $7.99 for that Genshin Impact edition. So moving on to Apple, uh, they've released several new emojis for iOS 17, and it looks like the following will be in the update. Such are the Phoenix, a broken chain, mushroom, Head shaking vertically, head shaking horizontally, and a lime. Uh, obviously, these will be set in stone for when September comes along, and uh, we will definitely keep you posted with any other emojis that pop up until then. Of course, within reason. Obviously, we're not going to name off 100 if that becomes the case. But uh, And actually, in addition to Apple's side of the emojis, Android will soon be implementing animated emojis in Google Messages. Uh, currently, it's only available on those who are using the beta version of Google Messages, but in either case, I still thought that was pretty cool and certainly something I enjoyed seeing on my own Android and would definitely love to actually see it on my iPhone as well. But, uh, you know, we all know how Apple takes their sweet time on updating what's already been out there for, well, decades. But uh, another tidbit of news, uh, this time being on the whole Microsoft Activision situation, the FTC did submit an appeal to the court regarding their approval of the acquisition of Activision. However, the court declined the appeal, and uh, the FTC really doesn't have any further say on the matter. So as far as the U.S. is concerned, it's pretty much a green light for Microsoft. Although July 18th was the deadline for all this, and it seems as though Microsoft and Activision are negotiating an extension, while matters are still being worked out over in the U.K. between Microsoft and the CMA. But uh, we will continue to monitor that situation as time unfolds and keep you guys up to date and we'll use either of our Wednesday or Saturday uploads to disclose any new information on the acquisition. So according to Mark Gurman, uh, Apple will be announcing the M3 Max after the iPhone series are released. So uh, they will be coming out, obviously, in September. And it sounds as though we will have a Mac launch event sometime around October. So we've definitely mentioned uh, the M3s on a number of episodes in the past, but it looks to be as we get closer to fall, we are now getting more and more confirmation about this. And while we really don't know exactly what's in store for Macs in early 2024, uh, this does seem to be a reoccurring piece of info. So I believe there's going to be like three different models that we'll be getting in October 
I think it's going to be a regular MacBook 13 inch, a 13 inch MacBook Pro, and then I believe possibly an iMac with an M3. So, but we will have to wait and see. Obviously, these are all rumors. So, but a little piece of news on Google and the feature we all know as airplane mode is that they're attempting to improve the whole flying experience for Android users. In a latest patent filed by the Alphabet subsidiary, Google is working on a feature that would allow sensors on your Android to detect a change in pressure, acceleration, radio signals, uh, such as cellular IDs, Wi-Fi signals, GPS, uh, flight noises like turbine engines and altitude chimes. And uh, this feature would also take into consideration extenuating data like travel booking and check-in statuses to automatically enable what they are calling connected flight mode. The feature would automatically disable cellular connections and intuitively connect your phone to the airplane's Wi-Fi signal, allowing a seamless experience where you wouldn't have to manually think about enabling airplane mode, re-enabling your Wi-Fi, and manually connecting to the in-flight router. So personally, if a feature like this worked without any hiccups, I would certainly welcome it. And uh, wouldn't it all be surprised if even Apple followed suit uh, doing the same thing? Although I would contemplate the fact that they could very well be working on something like that right now and we're just simply not privy to it yet. But uh, overall, I still thought that was pretty interesting and it's not really a feature that I'd be opposed if they added it. But uh, moving on to deals, uh, we've just got a few this week. Uh, there's a second gen Nest Hub smart home display uh, discounted a little over $26. So that's uh, $73.43 over on Walmart. And then we've got a little bit more of a heftier purchase on this next one. Uh, there's a 16-inch MacBook Pro M1 Max, uh, which is a late 2021 model, Space Gray, which is down $900 from $3,500 to $2,600. So if you've been in the market for one of those and you're kind of looking for a better deal, I really wouldn't discourage you from buying that just because those are definitely very powerful machines and quite capable. So... But back to Walmart, uh, they have the Logitech MX Master 3S down uh, $15. So that is $85.59. I actually currently own the MX Master 3. So, and I feel like that's a very versatile mouse. I use that on my Windows computer as well as my Mac. So, but I'm not really sure about you listeners, but I actually kind of saw this coming. And honestly, I'm a little surprised that it hasn't happened sooner. But according to Microsoft themselves, Xbox Live Gold subscriptions will no longer exist. Uh, Anyone who has had one will automatically be ported over to the core Xbox Live Game Pass subscription, which is $9.99 a month. And the games that you have on Gold will carry over to your Game Pass subscription. Uh, Now, the reason why I saw this coming was mainly because I had always seen Game Pass and Gold as pretty much the same thing. And to have them both there was just kind of redundant. But uh, not really too much else on that. They're just basically uh, taking that off. So over on Netflix, uh, it's really not often that we have made any positive comments about the company on the show. But then again, it's not like the company has made it any the more easy for us to do so. Either way, they have implemented a feature where you can transfer profiles to existing accounts, which I know it may not seem like anything major to brag about. And in essence, it's pretty basic. Although it's available for any account, the feature is essentially designed for those who were cut out during the whole password sharing fiasco. This would allow users to transfer their profile that might have been used via another person's primary account to any other account so that they wouldn't lose things like continue watching data, other viewing history, 
uh, personalized recommendations, watch lists, save games, uh, among other information. But uh, the feature initially launched only with the capability to transfer profiles to a brand new account. But now that has expanded to any account across the Netflix platform. So, you know, I feel like we've asked this question too often that it's kind of reached the point of annoyance. But we did inquire as to whether Netflix wanted to keep their customers. And, and I believe that this is a subtle way of implying that they do, at least on some level. But uh, that's just me. So quite a few months ago, we had planned to do a phone service comparison uh, where we basically just broke down AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon. This would basically show you guys the different lines that the big three offer and what kind of plans they provide. And um, actually, Riley was kind of in charge of looking over that information, and that was kind of his baby. Uh, so he was actually looking at all the plans by the companies, and he actually noticed that T-Mobile really hit home with their coverage their deals, and all of their offerings, uh, even their customer service. And that's something I will readily uh, advocate for as far as uh, T-Mobile. So to solidify this further, Ookla, known for doing speed tests, if you really haven't heard of them, then I would kind of be surprised. But then again, this show does reach a wide demographic uh, with high and low knowledge of technology. So, But in either case... They have just come out with a new study. They looked at the different types of performance that T-Mobile and the other two, AT&T and Verizon, have against each other. And in each one of them, T-Mobile took the lead. So uh, if you do want to look at some of those specifics in there, uh, we do have a, the link in the description, kind of just overviewing the, the tests that they went over. And that varies from latency to download speeds, coverage, etc. So... Well, lastly, on this week's show, uh, we actually had brought this up on a debatable episode, which was the fact that the EU is considering enforcing a law that would require all manufacturers of every single technological product to implement a constructional design of the battery and chassis in such a way that would make it easier for consumers to replace the battery without any special tools or excessive in-depth instructions. This law would affect Every product out there, from the largest scale items like electric vehicles, all the way down to handheld electronics such as phones and tablets. Well, that status is no longer under the limbo stages of quote-unquote considering. The European Council has ruled in agreement to the new regulation, and only the formality of a signature from the Parliament and the Council awaits. Uh, then the three-year timeline goes into effect as the law pegs 2027 as the deadline for all manufacturers to act accordingly. Otherwise, any given manufacturer will be prohibited from selling any electronics that do not comply with those standards in that market. Now, you will see that there are a couple articles in the description reviewing this information, one of which cites an interesting perspective, that companies like Apple could potentially argue against the EU that their self-service repair program falls within those standards. I personally see that this approach is somewhat polarizing, only because the law states that the tools must not be considered special. What exactly that means would have to be further divulged. But, I mean, when you think about it, you know, Flathead, Phillips Head, kind of the average things. Now, I don't know exactly if that's the same common line over in Europe. I would assume so. But if you're talking about like Star or Hex, you know, screwdrivers, I, you feel like you'd have to special order them. But if you have to go through a program and read instructions on how to repair the battery and order this stuff, 
then I feel like that could still be incongruous to what the EU is enforcing here. Uh, 9to5Google further expounds on the fact that if Apple does indeed stand at odds with the EU, there could be some potential court cases between the two parties. And because of that, it could be closer to a decade rather than three years before we see any such changes from Apple on this matter. So we will certainly keep our eyes on this, uh, not just with Apple, but with many of the giant companies out there. Because even though this is in reference to Europe, uh, you could see multiple companies cater to a global approach on their product designs rather than just making one model with specific designs for one market and then, you know, adjusting it for another market. And I kind of feel like that would be more cost effective than the latter. But uh, we will certainly have to wait and see as, again, we are still over three years away from this taking full effect. So that will just about do it for this week's episode. Obviously, without Riley here to provide some of his insight on some of these topics, the episodes do run a little bit shorter. So, But in either case, like I said, we will be back uh, next Saturday for our debatable episode to uncover that unpacked event that takes place on the 26th. So with that said, this is JD, and we will catch you guys in the next one. 